to Mixtape with me, Ian Moore. That was P.P. Arnold and Small Faces with If You Think You're Groovy. Now, here's the thing. I was, uh, this was a few years ago, I was standing outside a gig waiting to go in. Um, uh, it was the days when I smoked. I was having a cigarette outside the gig, like usual pacing about. And this hot air balloon came over the gig and some bloke leant out of the basket of the hot air balloon and shouted at me, don't start the show yet, I need to park the balloon. <laughs> One of the oddest things already by that point. And I said to the bloke next to me, I said, um, who was that? And he said, oh, that keyboardist from Procol Harum. That's what this show is about. Little anecdotes and stuff that um, happened over the last 25 years or so of my quite odd career.
to the punch i'll explain the relevance of playing pp arnold and the small faces later when i finish that anecdote um it doesn't end as uh, as well as it started um so mary wells and you beat me to the punch uh you beat me to the punch punchline tenuous link but you beat me to the punch it's but this is a little, slight lesson about dealing with hecklers it really doesn't matter what you say to a heckler it, what matters is the speed with which you see it um, as long as you say something vaguely amusing but immediately the heckler is finished you're always going to win and you're always going to win anyway because you've got a microphone and genuinely hecklers are idiots bear that in mind next time <laughs> Small 
Sometimes when, um, if I could finish early enough on a Saturday night in central London, I would whack it over to Victoria Coach Station and get the overnight uh, National Express from London to Paris. Um, I just felt like it was getting me home earlier and if I, if I kept moving it would be, be better. Also I'd save on a hotel. Um, and they were brutal, horrific journeys <laughs> which eventually I managed, the only way I managed to cope with dealing with them was to get absolutely whacked off my face on small cans of Marks and Spencer's Pina Colada and sit at the back and just scowl at everybody so nobody came near me. I was threatened quite a few times travelling on those overnight buses. One bloke um, who objected to the fact that I didn't want him trying to assault a woman who was travelling singly um, threatened to stab me the minute we got to Paris and he said, I will stab you. Uh, and he did that sort of mark across his neck. And I said to him, well, that's that's not really a stabbing motion. That's more of a cutting motion, uh, which confused the hell out of him. And anyway, the minute we got to Paris, uh, he ran away. Um, I have no idea why. Maybe he didn't like the smell of pina colada. No idea. Um, I was once taking an overnight bus from Birmingham to Stansted Airport. And this woman was sitting across the aisle from me. And she stretched out. And she said, can I put my feet on your lap? No, no, you can't. Catch a boat to England, baby, maybe to Spain Wherever I have gone Wherever I've been and gone Wherever I have gone The blues are all the same 
Send out for whiskey, baby. Send out for gin. Me and room service, honey. Me and room service, babe. Me and room service. Well, we're living a life of sin. I'm not drinking, baby. You are on my mind. When I'm not sleeping, honey. When I ain't sleeping, mama. When I'm not sleeping, you know you'll find me crying. Try another city, baby, another town. Wherever I have gone, wherever I've been and gone, wherever I have gone, the blues come following down. Living is a gamble, baby. Loving's much the same. Wherever I have played, whenever I throw them dice, wherever I have played, the blues have run the game. Maybe tomorrow, honey, someplace down the line. I'll wake up older, so much older, Mama. I'll wake up older, and I'll just stop all my trying. Catch a boat to England, baby. Maybe to Spain. Wherever I have gone. Wherever I've been and gone, wherever I have gone, the blues are all the same. Jackson C. Frank. And blues run the game. I reckon that's the best song about on the road loneliness. Um, certainly about the, the almost relentless lack of glamour that being an salt mine of show business has. Uh, there's a great line in that though where he says he's in a relationship with room service, and I I know exactly what he means. I think. Up until um, the pandemic struck, in this century I spent more time with club sandwiches than I have with my children. Uh, I mean, I love a club sandwich, don't get me wrong.
I'm not going to cover myself in glory with this particular story, but um, there was a spate of gigs a while back where they tried to mix up different forms of entertainment, almost like a live variety show. And there was one held in an older shot, in an art centre in older shot, where one room was going to be a comic, one room was going to be um, an ice sculptor, and in the main room there was a Nirvana tribute band. Which is an odd mix, let's put it let's let's put it that way. And I was supposed to be the host of all three rooms, running between between the rooms and just making sure that people were entertained and I would introduce and, and, and whatnot. The Nirvana fans were horrible and they threatened the ice sculptor and nearly got him to tears. The comic died on his ass and so to close the show I had to bring the Nirvana tribute band back on in front of these frankly teenage animals and I said well this is what you've been waiting for um, and whatever the band's name whatever they called themselves I can't remember um, I said this is what you've been waiting for and frankly having met most of you this evening I can see why Kurt Cobain shot himself ladies and gentlemen please welcome and I had to be escorted from the building and walked to my car by security it was, uh, it, it was like I say, I didn't exactly cover myself in glory with that but that was Kristen Hirsch with her version of Penny Royalty <laughs> Viens voir les comédiens, voir les musiciens, voir les magiciens Qui arrive, viens voir les comédiens, voir les musiciens, voir les magiciens Qui arrive, les comédiens ont installé leur tréteau Ils ont dressé leur estrade et tendu des calicots Les comédiens ont parcouru les faubourgs Ils ont donné la parade à grand renfort de tambour Devant l'église, une roulotte peinte en vert Avec les chaises d'un théâtre à ciel ouvert et derrière eux, comme un cortège en folie, ils drainent tout le pays, les comédiens. Viens voir les comédiens, voir les musiciens, voir les magiciens. Qui arrive bien voir les comédiens, voir les musiciens, voir les magiciens. Qui arrive si vous voulez voir confondu les coquins dans une histoire un peu triste où tout ça rentre à la fin. Si vous aimez voir trembler les amoureux, vous lamentez sur Baptiste pour rire avec les heureux. Poussez la toile et entrez donc vous installer Sous les étoiles le rideau va se lever Quand les trois coups retentiront dans la nuit Ils vont renaître à la vie les comédiens Viens voir les comédiens, voir les musiciens, voir les magiciens Qui arrive bien voir les comédiens, voir les musiciens, voir les magiciens Qui arrive les comédiens ont démonté leur tréteau Ils ont monté leur estrade et brillé les calicots ils laisseront au fond des cœurs de chacun Un peu de la sérénade et du bonheur d'Arlequin Demain matin quand le soleil va se lever Ils seront loin et nous croirons avoir rêvé Mais pour l'instant ils traversent dans la nuit D'autres villages endormis les comédiens Viens voir les comédiens, les musiciens, les magiciens Qui arrivent bien voir les comédiens les musiciens, les magiciens qui arrivent bien voir les comédiens. Les musiciens, les magiciens qui arrivent bien voir les comédiens. Voir les musiciens, voir les magiciens qui arrivent bien voir les comédiens. Some people seem so obsessed with the morning. Get up early just to watch the sunrise 
people like it more when there's fire in the sky Worship the sun when it's high Some people go for those sultry evenings Sipping cocktails in the blue, red and grey But I like every minute of the day I like every second So long as you are on my mind Every moment has its special charm It's alright when you're around Rain or shine I know a crowd who only live after midnight Their faces always seem so pale And then there's friends of mine who must have sunlight They say a suntan never fails I know a man who works the night shift Feels lucky to get a job and some pain And I like every minute of the day I dig every second I can laugh in the snow and rain Get a buzz from being cold and wet But pleasure seems to balance out the pain And so you see that I'm completely crazy I even shun the south of France The people on the hill, they say I'm lazy But when they sleep, I sing and dance First you heard um, Le Comédien by Charles Aznavour and I saw Charles Aznavour live and he was, what, 94 and it was absolutely fantastic. But I played that one because it's called Le Comédien and also uh, because I'd done a few gigs in Paris, a couple of them have even been in French. Uh, but there's a couple of gigs in Paris that I just, I've just absolutely adored and been massively self-indulgent on. I once did two hours, uh, which is ridiculous by any standards. Um, then you heard The Who and Blue, Red and Grey, uh, which is my favourite Who track. I was lucky enough to host, um, I can't remember which anniversary of Quadrophenia film it was, at the Hammersmith Apollo which was packed out, obviously, for the event. And I, uh, there was a screening of the film, and then I interviewed the cast and director on stage in front of whatever it was, 3,000 people at the Apollo that evening. Um, and it was nuts. It was completely nuts. It was a lot of fun. But what the organisers had done was they were going to set up little sort of vignettes of theatre um, to try and whiz the evening along. And they made the mistake of actually putting coppers on chasing fake mods on the stage and the real mods in the audience got very, very upset. Now, who's this? Hi, this is my friend Daphne and I'm Celeste.
US teenage popsters Daphne and Celeste. Now they performed at Reading Festival in 2000. I was performing the Comedy Tent at Reading Festival in 2000, uh, and I don't like festivals. I once threw a huge Mariah Carey fit because it was too muddy for my loafers, and I demanded a golf buggy. But I was doing Reading Festival, uh, the comedy tent, and it was packed out. 3,000 people in there, and I was having a very, very good show. One of those really rare moments where you've got a huge crowd all in your hands. Then, Daphne and Celeste come on the main stage, and I think 2,996 people ran out of the comedy tent while I was in mid-joke, just so they could go to the main stage and throw bottles of urine at teenage American girls. That, my friends, is a festival and why I don't go.
There used to be a camp in Cyprus for British soldiers coming back from Afghanistan or Iraq and they'd spend the day there and they'd have swimming and games and sports and a barbecue and they'd also have a band and a couple of comedians and I did this quite a few times and it was one of the most humbling things I've ever done whether you agree with any of those wars or not the frankly mostly kids coming back from these places needed something to let off steam and we were part of that ladies and gentlemen we've been asked to sing a song which has seven verses and we're only allowed to sing five of them as i was home on a monday night as drunk as drunk could be i saw a horse outside the door where my old horse should be well i called me wife and i said to her will you kindly tell to me who owns that horse outside the door where my old horse should be? Daddy, you're yeah, drunk, drunk, you're drunk, you silly old fool, and still you cannot see. That's a lovely sow that my mother sent to me. Well, it's many a day I've travelled, a hundred miles or more, but a saddle on a sow sure I never saw before. And as I went home on a Tuesday night, as drunk as drunk could be, I saw a coat behind the door where my old coat should be. Well, I called me wife and I said to her, will you kindly tell to me who owns that coat behind the door where my old coat should be? Yeah, they are drunk, you're drunk, you silly old fool, still you cannot see. That's a woolen blanket that my mother sent to me. Well, it's many a day I've traveled, a hundred miles or more, but buttons in a blanket sure I never saw before. And as I went home on a Wednesday night, as drunk as drunk could be, I saw me pipe upon the chair where my old pipe should be. Well, I called me wife and I said to her, will you kindly tell to me who owns that pipe upon the chair where my old pipe should be? Get you drunk, you drunk, you silly still you cannot see. That's a lovely tin whistle that my mother sent to me. Well, it's many a day I've traveled, a hundred miles or more, but the banco in a tin whistle sure I never saw before. And as I went home on a Thursday night, as drunk as drunk could be, I saw two boots beneath the bed where my old boots should be. Well, I called me wife and I said to her, will you kindly tell to me who owns them boots beneath the bed where my old boots should be? Well, you drunk, you drunk, you silly old fool, still you cannot see. There are two lovely geranium pots my mother sent to me. Well, it's many a day I've travelled, a hundred miles or more, but laces in geranium pots I never saw before. And as I went home on a Friday night, as drunk as drunk could be, I saw a head inside the bed where my old head should be. Well, I called me wife and I said to her, Will you kindly tell to me who owns that head with you in the bed where my old head should be? Well, you're drunk, you're drunk, you silly still you cannot see. That's a baby boy that my mother sent to me. Well, it's many a day I've traveled, a hundred miles or more. But a baby boy with his whiskers on sure I never saw before. La, 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 la.
There was a time a few years ago when my eldest son wanted to be an actor and um, he was allowed to go work experience with the, from the school and I said, well, I'll take him with me to show him just how awful show business could be and I had no idea um, <laughs> just how bad it was going to be. I was booked to do a sportsman's dinner in an Irish club, I won't say where, um, and they had specifically asked for an Irish comedian and I turned up. Uh, which was a bad start to the evening. Um, and I did the gig, and I died on my hole. They hated me. They, it was not what they wanted. And I came off the stage, and my young son, who hadn't been allowed in the main room, he was sitting in the bar at the back. I said to him, look, um, I think we'd better go. That, that did not go very well at all. And he said, no, Daddy, that was, that was fine. Look, a man came out and gave me some money. And he showed me what this man had given him, and it was a £20 note with the Queen's face burnt out. And I just said to my son, get in the car, get in the car now. And we literally ran through the car park.
because the other tenuous link is that we flew through an electric storm and I was flying with a fellow comic called Mike Gunn I don't know if you know Mike, he's a brilliant comic but he's seen hell in his life and very, very rarely have I seen him flustered by anything but he was flustered by this, we both were it was the most terrifying flight I have ever been on like something out of the twilight zone where shards of lightning were coming really, really close to the, to the wing of the plane at night and um, and it, like I say, the most terrifying thing. And then you land in Manila, and what a toilet that turns out to be. Never go near the expat community in Manila, especially their cheese and wine evenings. <laughs> あなたとは変わらない。もう目の前が、目の前が真っ暗なの。やっぱりあなたは不思議な男の人なのね。あなたは私のことだけを好きだと信じてた。あの夏の日あなたと。
in Tokyo um, uh, in a room above a Pizza Express in Tokyo which was an odd place to be doing a gig anyway and it wasn't a great gig Not, I didn't think it was much of a great gig anyway but the head of Virgin Airlines uh, for that region in the world was in the audience and he enjoyed it so much that he bumped uh, us up I was with two other comics and he bumped us up to the Virgin upper class for the return flight which meant I didn't have to speak to the other comics for the whole 12 hours or whatever it was. And I slept the whole way. It was quite magnificent, but I was completely unprepared then for landing. I didn't really know where I was. I'd, I'd kind of overslept. 
and I went to check in for my connecting flight to get to Paris and I went to the British Airways desk and I said I'd like to check in for my flight and she said oh no you're a bit early and I said what do you mean I'm only like a couple of hours early and she said no no you're a year early uh, your ticket is booked for this time next year uh, and she made me pay for an entirely new ticket thanks British Airways <laughs>
Here's a tip for you. If you ever want to strike fear, and, and I mean genuine fear, into a comedian of a certain vintage who may have played jonglers uh, in the early 2000s, just play them Robbie Williams' version of Let Me Entertain You. It was played before every show. It meant that you were effectively going into battle against um, hen knights who were drinking shots through willy-shaped straws. It was not it was not high art. It was uh, it was a horrible time, but you were well paid, um, so it made it kind of all right. But if you it meant that if you were ever in a pub and you weren't working and you heard Robbie Williams "Let Me Entertain You" come on the radio, you would literally break out in a cold sweat. That was the Stone Mountain Orchestra version, uh, which I rather like, and uh, I apologise if any of my former colleagues um, have suffered through listening to that. takes a cigarette puts it in your mouth you pull on your finger then another finger then cigarette the water wall is calling it lingers then you forget oh 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 you're a rock and roll suicide you're too old to lose it Too young to choose it And the clock waits so patiently on your song You walk past the cafe But you don't eat when you've lived too long Oh no, no, no You're a rock and roll suicide Shit breaks the snarling as you stumble across the road. But the day breaks instead, so you hurry home. Don't let the sun blast your shadow. Don't let the milk float rob your mind. They're so natural, religiously unkind. Oh no, love, you're not alone. time um probably 20 years ago before i moved to france 
where I was um, a TV warm-up comic, and I was, frankly, the worst TV warm-up comic in the history of TV warm-up comedy. I was regular warm-up for Jonathan Ross, which was quite an honour. Got to meet lots of, you know, loads of people, Liza Minnelli and Yoko Ono and, and Sir John Mills and Ronnie O'Sullivan, and I upset Morrissey, which was which was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then there was um, there was Jim Carrey as well because I hated being a warm-up. I was no good at it. And before one program, Jim Carrey was on, and I was pacing up and down at the back of the TV studio, trying to avoid vomiting. And um, I felt this tap on the shoulder, and it was Jim Carrey. Um, and he said, you're the the TV warm-up guy, right? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, look, I know it's the worst job in show business. If anything goes wrong tonight, I'll cover for you. Don't worry about it. Leave it to me. And he did, which is genuinely, genuinely one of the nicest things that's happened to me in my career. But um, there are other times... Um, and again, this is a story which is not uh, going to cover me in in glory. There, um, David Bowie um, came on to the Jonathan Ross show, and the whole show was dedicated to to David Bowie. Jonathan would do the interviews, and at the end, David Bowie would um, would play music. So Jonathan did the interviews, but even Jonathan was, um, I think, in awe of the fact that this was David Bowie. So normally, when a band would start tuning up at the end of the interview section. Jonathan would chat to the audience, I wouldn't have to do any work. This time, Jonathan just didn't want to do that. So I was sent back on and I had to stand literally two metres in front of David Bowie while he's, he's tuning his guitar. And it was the worst professional death I've ever had. It was like I was literally dead. I wasn't in the room. I was a ghost. Nobody could hear me. And I tried everything. I tried, you know, I, I was trying pulling out all the, the you know, the the hundred percent never fail material. I went up to, I tried to talk to Jonathan. He wouldn't talk. I tried to talk to the house band, the Four Puffs and Piano. Nothing would happen. And in the end, I just, I just, I, I panicked, and I just said, look, look, you're all here to see David Bowie. That's that's perfectly obvious, and I'm just getting in the way. But you know, let's hope he doesn't play anything from the Tin Machine period. And oh, that I, I was—I th- I don't think I lasted much longer as a TV warm-up after that event. But um, I'm not really disappointed by that. I shake and fall underneath my sheets. The sunlight creeping from my head down to my feet. Tell to rise and face the light again. I plead to dawn, don't make me move. I just wanna vanish and forget all that's true. Just one more night, I'll be alright. Wish I was a man who thought I was Waiting to fly for eagle's wings The truth be told, I'm not that bold At all I'm more frightened White lightning Sometimes I'm blinded 
version of Frightened um, originally from the album I think Heliocentric, I can't remember that is one of um, my favourite Paul Weller tracks firstly but also one of the most personal ones for me there was a time and everybody who's self-employed I think must have these moments where you just don't know if this can continue as a viable option and when you've got family and, and children the genuine concerns you have about how you're going to make a living and how you're going to keep affording to to live as a family and I went through a period of almost almost crippling anxiety where and I remember a few times after particularly after Manchester for some reason I'd be gigging in Manchester and that was full-on that was five gigs over three days and they were late at night and they were they were quite Larry gigs in what is a very good club but they're quite Larry gigs and I go back to my hotel room at probably about two o'clock in the morning after the late show had finished and I knew that I had to be up at four for the taxi to take me for an early flight to Manchester airport and I just spent those two hours utterly like I said crippled just just shaking like a leaf and sweating and and just overcome with anxiety um and I only got over that by actually talking to somebody. And as you know, people who've listened to this before know mental health is a, is a thing with me. And talking to people and talking it through, 
I, I got through it. I was, no, you know, you don't, it's not going to solve any problems, but just talking about it helped an enormous amount. Um, and talking of Manchester. But I 
First you had Gomez and Whipping Piccadilly from um, their debut album, which I can't remember the name of, but which won the Mercury Prize, I think. Then you heard Bell and Sebastian, a um, great band and one of my favourite songs of theirs, and it mentions a comedian. Not many songs mention comedians. There's, uh, there's a Star Council's track, which, again, I can't remember the name of, but that mentions a comedian, and it's even got Lenny Henry doing um, a kind of background voiceover where he's pretending to be an old school northern comic which is quite funny but it's not actually that good a song 
This is Nouvelle Vague. Dancing with myself. Uh, the thing about Nouvelle Vague and uh, other concepts like that is that you can only take so much. You can't. I can't get through a whole album of that kind of stuff. It's like it's like Janis Joplin. I can't get through a whole album of Janis Joplin either. Some great tracks from Janis Joplin, but a whole album is just too much for anybody's senses. Um, why did I play Nouvelle Vague? Uh, to be perfectly honest, I can't remember. Oh, yes. They're, well, it's a cover version, and so it's them doing somebody else's job in a way. And I once supported Emo Phillips, a brilliant American stand-up, at the Jersey Royal Opera House. And I was his warm-up. I did uh, 25 minutes before him or whatever, and then he came on. 
and with had by I had done about an hour and a half of absolutely sublime sublime stand up, and then somebody heckled him in the front row. I think somebody who I don't know thought they were being really clever and just said, "Have you got any Frank Skinner jokes?" Now Emo noticed me standing in the wings of the stage, and and he beckoned me onto the stage. Uh, he didn't reply to the heckler as yet, and he beckoned me onto the stage. And as we're passing, Emo's walking off the stage. He just leans in my ear and he says, deal with that. So basically, he's called me on stage just to deal with his heckler. So I get to the microphone, I pick out the heckler, I, a couple of lines, I've, you know, I've, I've turned the rumour completely against him. I've got a round of applause. I've stopped, walked off. Emo Phillips has walked back on without saying a word and just got straight back into the joke that he was doing when he was heckled. It was an astonishing moment um, and took a real presence on his part to do that and also to think that I could handle it like that. But it was, um, it was quite the moment.
Always had a roof above me, always paid the rent And I never set foot inside a tent I couldn't build a fire to save my life I lied about being the outdoor type I never slept out underneath the stars The closest that I came to that was one time my car Broke down for an hour in the suburbs night I lied about being the outdoor type Let you know you knew what you were looking for. I lied until I fit the bill. God bless the great indoors. I lied about being the outdoor type. I never owned a sleeping bag, let alone a mountain bike. Shown again. It's just as well I'm not invited. I'm afraid of heights. I lied about being the outdoor type. Never learned to swim, can't grow a beard or even fight. I lied about being the outdoor type. You had the White Stripes with the live version of New York City Cops, live in Iceland, where I've gigged, and I've gigged in New York. And then you had the Lemonheads and Outdoor Type, which is a just a brilliant song. And one of the funniest songs. There's lots of comedy songs, lots of, com- lots of comedians who, who play the guitar. We call it Cheat Stick, the ones who don't play the guitar. But that's one of the... I just think that's a really good song. And the Lemonheads are from Boston. So I've gigged uh, three connections there, Iceland, New York and Boston. Iceland was, was quite an odd one because I was booked to do a blue show, which which nobody ever calls it a blue show anymore, but basically you just tell filthy jokes. And I don't have any filthy jokes, so <laughs> I depressed the Icelandic even more than they already were, I think. Um, then there was New York, which was one of my... always been an ambition to gig in New York, and I loved it. Um, and I also did a... A comedy festival in Boston a few years ago, where I did a various uh, various venues around Boston, and one of them was a burlesque club, and I had to go on in between two um, burlesque acts, and it was quite a lively audience, as you can imagine. And this burlesque act finished, uh, picked up what was remaining of their clothing on the floor. And I walked straight on stage, and they were, the audience was still going mad for for these. Um, 
well, mostly naked women who've just left the stage. And I, this, I'd never had to, up until that time, follow essentially a stripper. Um, so I, and I walked on and I just thought, I'm just going to have to posh this right up. I'm going to have to so be so English in Boston that they will just react to what I'm trying to do. So these women left the stage, the audience are catcalling and, you know, whooping and cheering. And I walk on and, um, just tap the mic and say in the poshest David Niven voice, that's quite enough of that. Thank you. And then just got on with the show. And it was a great show in the end, bizarrely enough. It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds And the ink stains that have dried up on some lines Keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory Keeps you ever gently on the mind It's not clinging to the rocks and ivy planted on the columns now that binds me Or something that somebody said because they thought we fit together walking It's just knowing that the world will not be cursing or forgiven When I walk along some railroad track and find On the back roads by the rivers of my memory And for hours you're just gentle on the mind Well, I dipped my cup of soup back from the gherkin crack And called them in some train yards My bed, a rough and coal pile And a dirty hat pulled low across my face Cupped hands round a tin can, I pretend I'll hold you to my breast and find That you're waving from the black hole by the river of my memory Ever smiling, ever gentle on the mind When I first started comedy, I was always compared to Jack D, and I never wanted to be Jack D. It's just I think a certain amount of terror being on stage made me seem more dour than I actually was. Who I wanted to be and who I tried to become like as I got older and far more experienced was actually Dean Martin, a a more warm and comforting presence on stage, hopefully cool, hopefully in control but always willing to take a gamble as well if it wasn't going great and uh, comparing helped that if there's any new comics who are listening to this one of the greatest things you can do as a new stand-up comic is to learn how to compare a show because you come out of yourself and I wish I'd done it much earlier the first time I compared 
was actually in India, and that was very bizarre.
this great flat of sea. Sometimes I wonder if I should visit a tailor and get myself a smooth outfit. Then I remember what the father said to me. I'll make you from the open road. You all know this. He said, others may come and others may go, but that's soon to be around wherever you go. Sweet love and hand me down. Sweet love and hand me down. The faces three-button hand-me-down. Go back to the anecdote I started with. The balloon comes over the gig. It's already a weird gig. The gig is actually a polo club in Sussex and it's owned by Kenny Jones. Kenny Jones, formerly of Small Faces and The Faces and briefly The Who. Basically, it's run, it's a polo club, but it's run as a kind of private drinking club for 60s 70s old rockers there's there's um pink floyd there's protocol harem like i said it's basically anybody famous in that area who feels they can't go down the pub without being annoyed goes to this particular polo club for instance i'm on stage i'm about to do a joke about um a van crash i had and I just happened to ask, is there anybody in the audience who's recently had a car crash? And I see this hand go up and I, I said, well, you must be a liability. Driving around here is really not that difficult. It turns out it was Damon Hill. That is that, it's that kind of place. Now, I met Kenny Jones after the gig. And you know how they say, never meet your heroes? They're right. Okay, that's all I'm going to say on that. The other thing about the song, Three Button Hand Me Down, it's about wearing a suit. And I always, always felt I had more authority on stage when I wore a suit. It just, no pun intended, suited my act and it absolutely worked. Uh, this next song uh, is uh, Munich and it's Corrine um, Bailey Ray and the editors. Don't force it. It breaks when. 
I'll grant you it's quite an odd pairing to put uh, Munich by Kareem Bailey Ray and Come Together by the Beatles. Um, but they're connected in some way is that they're both sporting events that I've been in some way uh, involved in, vicariously, albeit. Um, well, I was gigging in Munich a week before the World Cup started in 2006 and there was a genuine excitement about the place and it was fun to be there and watch it being set up as um, the FIFA began to storm into the city um, and then we'd come together in 2012 the uh, L London Olympics um, which was I think I think there was a lot of us thought that that wasn't actually going to work the London Olympics but it was a magnificent event magnificently organized and the opening and closing ceremonies which I never watch normally um, you know because they're, they're slightly tedious but the London opening ceremony was amazing. And also that night I was comparing at the greatest comedy club in the world, the London Comedy Store. So it felt like my city for the night. And, and I know that's really over, overplaying my role in the whole thing. But it was still, and I still look back at it now, as one of the greatest nights of my professional life. So that's why those two, uh, I've put them together. This one... Um, this is about a different city, it's not a sporting event, and one that I've never really, really got on with. You meet a girl, she moves soft eyes and pulls you in the game. Perhaps you do not wonder her reasons or her name You will follow her on out the room How sweet her body flows Said to take it easy and make it lazy That's the way to go Do believe it's easy Do believe it's easy Do believe it's easy Don't even have to try Lip your flute or pick your strings to hear the music grow. Maybe you'll stand by a while, but all comes through your soul. Just maybe you will hit magic sounds that call you to your heart, and gently you will follow down, view yourself apart. Do believe it's easy, do believe it's easy. Do believe it's easy, my Lord. Don't even have to try. If when the moon's a toothy smile, you meet a whirling wind, well, you clear to nowhere and forgets where you came in. There is no call to worry or be sorry that you came You may laze along there for a speed So buddy, then come back to your name Do believe it's easy, yes, I believe it's easy Do believe it's easy, my Lord, don't even have to try Now if your man gets busted and you hope to go his bail Suppose you cannot borrow money, you may go to borrow the mail Yes, if your man gets busted and 
you hope to go his fine. You may laze along to the judge's house, sweet woman, and set it on the line. Do you believe it's easy? Yes, I believe it's easy. Do you believe it's easy, my Lord? Dandelion Blues by the incredible string band who are from Edinburgh. Edinburgh and the Edinburgh Festival are synonymous with comedy and you have to go there. You have to go there if you want to if you want to make it and you want to make it big and I never I went to Edinburgh in 99 and I shared a flat with Catherine Tate. Um, and every day Lee Mack would come round and Catherine and Lee would pour over the reviews and what other people were getting and all of that. And they and brilliantly talented people, lovely people to, to be around as well. But I realised I just didn't want it that badly. I didn't, I didn't like the whole cattle market element of Edinburgh and I certainly didn't want to be losing 10 to 15 grand every year just hoping that I'd get a break. So uh, I tried a different way, which is much slower, but that kind of suits my style in many ways. Stone by the Stone Roses. Why have I played Elephant Stone by the Stone Roses? Uh, I'm trying to think back to why I chose that song. Yes, I was on tour in Bangkok uh, or Thailand. Uh, one of these, well, it was Bangkok in Thailand, obviously, with a very, very good friend of mine, Paul Thorne. 
and it was one of those really odd tours and Bangkok isn't a particularly pleasant place we, we learned that very quickly uh, when we arrived for the first gig the guy who was organizing the gig who was known as Bangkok Billy said it's great news lads great news uh, I've got a new sponsor for the show so we're doing all right and the sponsor was a vodka sponsor and he'd been serving shots to the audience for the previous two hours so that made for a fairly lively opening show and uh, we were there a few nights and uh, well but we were invited I don't know how this happened but we were invited to a party Paul and I in Bangkok and we went to this party and all the the you know the, the the great and the good of the Bangkok area were were there and obviously Paul and I knew no one um so we thought we you know we were just talking to a little we'll call it a day let's go back to the hotel and have a, have a nightcap there so we went to leave and we went to the front door of this of this very posh nightclub and tried to leave and we couldn't leave because there was an elephant wedged into the front door so we had to stay there for another hour and until the elephant had moved
Fat Lowry's band and Zoom. Uh, it should be pretty obvious why I played Zoom because that's where comedians have been living and operating for the last couple of years. Obviously they're back out now. Please go and support them. Support live comedy. It is a wonderful night out if you can get to one. There will be a club close to you, believe me. You probably just don't know about it. The last song I'm playing is for a special friend of mine called Griff, who was show manager at Birmingham Glee Club for years and years. She sadly died uh, a couple of years ago, but she did more to introduce me to a different ranges of music than anybody else I know. Every time I went, which was four times a year possibly, and therefore three or four days, she would give me a new compilation of stuff that she put together and broaden my knowledge of music endlessly. And this is for the wonderful Griff. This is Big Boss Man by Coco Taylor. See you next time.
Oh